0: You made a hole in one. There's a BMW on the T box. <laughs> and they try and tell you you don't get the car. Let's go, let's go. And we are back for another part train, guys. This is a good one. I'm one of your co hosts, Evan Singer.
1: And I'm your other co host, Matt Sermak. How are we doing, guys?
0: Thanks for joining us, guys. If you're new, The PAR train is all about using golf as a platform to help you live a better life, or at least make it a little less frustrating than the game of golf can be. Learn how to get better and achieve peak performance on and off the course from PGA Tour Pros, like we had today, best selling authors, CEOs, coaches, and many more. We'll get to our conversation with Chris Nagel, Tour Pro on the Corn Ferry Tour right now, um, has played on the PGA Tour as well in a second, but let's start with a word from our good friends at super speed yes matt i know this is something that you have put a lot of focus into because you know the guy shoots low scores but you don't really hit it that far as the average guy so maybe you can talk about you know the importance of distance for you and how super speed golf could help you
1: well super speed golf has changed the game for me you know i mean it's got it's it's made me even a better player i don't think you can ever actually will ever be able to catch me because I'm I'm hitting it farther now, right? You know, I, I've got launch. I never had launch before.
0: Oh, you have launch so now.
1: I have launch, yeah.
0: Okay. Never heard you yeah. say it like that, but okay, the guy's yeah. got launch. Yeah. All right, go on.
1: Well, I mean, let's be honest with you. I mean, who wants a need for speed? You know, it's this is proven this is proven stuff. Right? So I mean I mean
0: <laughs> since twenty fourteen, Matt, super speed golf has been at the forefront of training distance by, provo- by providing simple, easy, and effective ways to increase club head speed for all players, even you, right? Yeah.
1: yeah and yeah, it's yeah. based
0: on scientifically proven concept of what they call overspeed training. And so each super speed set comes with three specifically weighted clubs, all designed around the weight of your driver. And by yeah. following the online protocols, they've got good videos to help you understand how to do it. You'll see a substantial not a little increase a substantial increase in club head speed and each session lasts eight to 10 minutes. You do it three times a week. It's great. Super easy. The other thing that we haven't said is that's the, the main super speed system. There's also a super speed C that's less than 200. That's less than a hundred bucks. So that's also an option for you guys. um, If you want to kind of dip your toe into the system. So, you know, if Matt's distance gains, aren't a good enough, uh, validator for you. SuperSpeed also has more than 700 tour pros and thousands of golfers around the world that use wow. this. So if you want to get started and start hitting the ball longer, visit superspeedgolf.com and enter the code ParTrain, all one word, for 10% off your purchase. Right. You're welcome.
1: Well, I'm champing at the bit here because my first session, I picked up a couple of miles per hour in my swing, and as we discussed with our guests. Tour player, Chris Nagel, the more fairways you hit, the longer you hit. I hit those speed slots. Mm. You know, I, you know, you're know, you hitting it high and far, but it go, really at the end of the day, we're hitting it about the same because my ball is actually run out or your ball is just kind of plugged right in the rough. So it is a great, super speed has really helped there and just wanted to give that context for our listeners.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. That's actually a really good point and something that really stood out from what Chris said is people don't talk about how – when you start hitting more fairways, your ball is going to go farther, right? And so –
1: Point in case. I mean thanks, – Thanks to super speed.
0: Chris, Chris Nagel is – I think – I was really excited to talk with him because I think he's a story that every, a lot of people can relate to, right? He's a plus-eight handicap, right? And people wonder, like, how could a plus-eight not be, like, tearing it up on the PGA Tour regularly, right? But these there's so many unbelievable players, and Chris is one of them, Yeah. right? And so he's been on the corn Ferry tours. He's been through the grind of the mini tours for years. And in 2018, made the cut at Shinnecock Hills in the 2018 U.S. Open. And we talk a lot about, you know, his evolution, the journey, how he plays his best golf, you know, the trends that you guys can maybe pick up on. What, what are some patterns that helps him play his best versus not? common mistakes amateurs make versus pros uh we get into a lot of interesting things not to mention uh it was really interesting when we asked him we gave him a long list of players and we asked him what do they all have in common he didn't know that i was just reading off players of that he beat in the u.s open so it's really interesting it's funny to see his reaction to that
1: yeah i mean he's he's been out playing the mini tours for 15 years you know and but you know he's made corn, he's, he's been playing a lot of corn for events so he's he's continuing to improve but it takes it takes years for these guys and you know I think people need to understand like our listeners you know there there are so many unbelievable players in this world <laughs> and you might might not even know who they are because yeah you know their fate can be changed overnight one right. big tournament one big cut so um, I thought it was a, a great conversation and a look in and. Look, next year, you might see him on the tour. He's yeah. that good. Plus eight handicap. Well,
0: Shot
1: 63-65 a couple, week, couple months ago. And yeah, he a won a Iowa. few
0: months ago, Iowa.
1: I mean, sixty three, sixty five guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, he says something a lot about how to be aggressive and conservative at the same time that I think will really help you. Um, and not to mention, you know, what he's saying about how his driver is getting straighter, I wouldn't be surprised with his length. And the fact that he's such a good putter and chipper, that we're going to, a lot of people are going to know his name. Uh, I mean, this, maybe as soon as next year.
1: Sure, hoping so. All
0: right. Well, thanks for joining, guys. If you don't follow us on the socials, follow us at the PAR train on all the channels and uh, give us a review on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your, uh, your podcasts. And thanks for listening. As always, we will see you guys next Sunday. Thanks guys. Yeah. Chris, you know, we were just talking off air, you know, our mutual sermonized mutual best friend, Ryan Winehouse is a good friend of yours. You guys play golf together all the time. Your home club is his home club. And you know, I just wanted to start the show by getting something off of our chest. Matt and I, you know, we're used to Ryan telling people how great we are. Right? It, it happens a lot. Um, but, you know, I will say over the last, you know, three to five years, Ryan talks a lot more about how great Chris Nagel is. And I just yes. wanted you to know that we're okay with it. There's no jealousy, <laughs> we're okay with it.
2: I'm surprised he talks so highly of me. Because uh, he, you know, I give him shots and he beats my brain
0: in every time we play. So. <laughs> Well we'll um, talk about that. Giving yeah, a scratch yeah, we'll golfer get, eight we'll, shots.
1: We'll, we'll get into that in a few. Yeah, <laughs> that
0: that's something I think everybody wants to hear. But I wanted to start you off with something fun, Chris, um, because I think you know a lot of people know how many good golfers are out there, um, but a lot of people don't understand what separates certain kinds of players. And so we're going to go through a quick game here where I'm going to list uh, a couple handicap ranges, and I want you to say or try to say in a few words, what you think separates the two. So what do you think separates a 15 handicap to a 10? Let's start there.
2: 15 to 10, probably uh, chipping and putting. Okay. How about a
0: nine to a five?
2: Nine to a five probably is length.
0: Oh, interesting, okay. How about a five to a scratch?
2: Five to a scratch, um, to be honest, it's probably the T's they play.
0: And a scratch to a plus five. Uh, the mental side of golf. You know, not, maybe not hitting a driver off a tee because
2: you don't want to reach bunkers. Just, yeah, like more of like strategic, uh, you know, thinking their way around the golf course a little bit better than, <clears throat> you know, a guy that just rips
0: driver on every hole. So that's why our buddy Ryan will never be better than a scratch is what you're saying. <laughs> hey, you guys said it, not me.
1: <laughs> I think he's. has been – I think Ryan's been – I think he's been he – Yeah, he's two been plus three. before,
0: uh, yeah. And have um, been
1: tough on him. Guy okay, last,
0: last one, Chris. Uh, a plus five to a, to a tour pro. Every aspect of the game is just, you know, a fraction
2: better than the, uh, the zero-go plus five. Got it. Okay. Not by much, though.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- what that tells me, though, Chris, is that you would think there'd be huge gains and gaps between these but they're really not that big right it's a couple less penalty shots here a couple more made putts better mental game around the course course management suddenly you go from a five to a scratch right where a lot of people see scratch is like this really tough place to get to
2: exactly i I always tell people they ask me what separates you know guys each week and i say well if you look at it this way, if you and I are playing and we hit the exact same shots and we play the exact same way, but you make one more 15-footer than me each day, you beat me by four shots. And that's, only, mm. that's one 15-footer. Yeah. And
0: that's the difference between like 10th and 35th. Right. I remember Adam Long told us that a few weeks yeah. ago, right, sir. He said he, yep. he missed out on the – I think it was the FedEx Cup playoffs by one shot to Billy Horschel. And he says now that is a great way to keep him focused throughout the week, even if it's a 35th, right? Because he knows that one shot could mean the difference down the road. Absolutely. 100%.
1: Well, well Chris, obviously we talk about our buddy Ryan Whitehouse, and Ryan's a great player, but you you guys are playing a money game together and you give him shots, right? So one, is he taking them? Well, I don't know if he's taking those shots. But two, like... Oh, you know, what's, it, what's it like when you play with a lot of great players and you're giving them shots, but at the end of the day, you're playing for money. You're kind of, you're always looking to get better. You get the juices flowing. So
2: Yeah, he's taking them and it's criminal. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, it actually, I don't mind giving all the shots because it kind of, it gets, it gets me, my juices flowing. and gets me like, okay, I'm going to have to play great to beat this guy. You know, not necessarily Ryan, but anybody I'm giving shots to, I have to play great to beat him. And it's a challenge. Um, right where if I go out I'm just kind of playing and you know there's nothing on the line it's to be honest it's I'm probably better off not being out there because I'm just kind of going through the motions I need something on the line um I've played it like golf too long to where I have a hard time going out and just playing by myself like that's not fun to me I got to play with somebody for something and at the end of the day you know if I lose 100 bucks I'm fine with it if I win 100 bucks I'm fine with it it's just yep. I gotta have something on the line.
1: Oh no doubt. And is it true that you have made more double eagles than hole in ones? Uh, I have the same. I got four
2: on each. Same. Oh wow.
1: That's unbelievable.
2: Should double eagles (laughs) get more credit? I mean, you got to hit two really good shots to get it in a row. And they're longer. I don't know. It's a. it's a tough call, yeah. Okay, I once hey. started a tournament
0: with a double eagle, so it could only go down from there.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Wow, I, I thought starting missed. a tournament
0: with a birdie was tough. That That's real tough.
1: You just, just got to walk off the course after you make. Yeah, we trial, prefer so. starting on the park
0: train, personally. <laughs> Chris, I, I'm really fascinated um, about the weekly process. A lot of people know there's the Corn Ferry Tour, PJ Tour, but – Um, What Adam Long was starting to talk about a few weeks ago was he struggled with his biggest challenge was getting worried about getting opportunities every week he wasn't sure if he would make it into the field right and I just want people to try and understand what your weekly process is right how many events you have slated and that you're locked in for how you find out if you're going to get in the things you have to do to try and get in. Right, I just want to talk about that a little bit.
2: Yeah, so like I don't remember the years—probably 2012, 13, 14. I don't know. My first year that I had conditional on the Corn Ferry, which was the web.com there. Um, yeah, kind of the same way. I didn't know what events I was going to get into. I couldn't make a schedule. I couldn't set a schedule. So I kind of, I kind of had a bag packed at all times because you could. (laughs) you could know the Friday before the event or you could know Wednesday of the event that you have a, you know, you can find out at five o'clock on Wednesday that you got a seven thirty tea time on Thursday. Mm. Um, and so you go to PJ tour links and you kind of, there's, you know, the alternate list and categories of how guys get in. So you kind of have like a sense. So if you're close, you might fly there. Uh, if you didn't do the Monday spotter. Um, but yeah, having conditional is, is uh kind of no man's land um do you go play like a mini tour event do you take the week off and prepare for maybe the following week to see if you can get in that one yeah i mean there's no no guarantees in this game um so yeah it's you gotta be prepared at all times but then again i don't know you don't want to like over practice and you know peak before you can get in those events to never changing a game. I'm, as you guys, you know, I'm playing it. You, you know, you never have the same shot twice kind of thing. So it's kind of every week's different. Every week has its challenges. Um, sure. Yeah, it's just kind of, it's all over the board. If Now, if you have guaranteed starts, like, you know, you're a full member of the tour, you kind of set your schedule and you know, okay, I, I play good at this course. You know, this course is maybe super tight and short. I don't particularly play good at this course, so I'm going to take that week off and recharge the batteries. Um, Right. Yeah, there's all all kinds of... I mean, you could probably sit and talk just on this for about an hour.
0: I, I would guess the majority of people probably think and mostly assume that most guys are like Matthew Wolf, right, where you graduate college and then, boom, you start playing on the PGA Tour, right? It's interesting to maybe shed some light on the different ways. I mean, there's so many different ways, right? That someone can, can make it on, on the big tour.
2: Obviously you hear there's a, there's like one guy every year that does that. And that's about all you hear about. And that's, you know, few and far between everybody else has got to go through the Q school or play their way in, um, you know, get on a roll where they finish top tens or 25s and accumulate enough points or dollars to, gain access for the remainder of the year. But yeah, I mean obviously Matthew Wolf's a special player and, you know, it's kinda like Ricky Fowler and a couple of those guys um, kinda come out and, you know, make their uh, you know, make their mark kinda right away. But the majority, ninety nine percent of the guys have to, you know, grind it out, go through, you know, playing a mini tour for a year or two and then Corn Ferry and then maybe lose their status and back on Corn Ferry and um yeah, it's there's so many different avenues. Um, you see, like this year, uh, Will Delataris, i am not sure if I pronounced that right. He, uh, you know, he's having a banner year on the Corn Ferry Tour and gets into a few of the regular tour events. Um, plays well in the U.S. Open, gets him into I think an off, you know, opposite field event, and now he—I think he's like one top 30 away from getting conditional status for the remainder of you know this season coming up so there's many different ways of doing it it's hard right. it can't be done though
1: right chris and you can i mean you can be a hero overnight right or, you know whether it's a monday shooter right or in, it, you can be uh, you can go the other way too a lot can change and i think dealing with dealing with talk about dealing with those kinds of emotions or those opportunities right
2: for sure um. yeah, you always got to be prepared because you don't know when you're going to get that opportunity. But I always look at uh, – there was – I'm sure you guys are familiar with Ted Potter. He he Mondayed yeah. into uh Corn Ferry event and won and then got his car through that. And then I don't know if he won, like, right away, but it, he was out on he, tour for a couple of years and won, like, the yeah. Greenbrier. And then,
1: Pebble but, you know, there. not many
2: – yeah, he won a Pebble, too. A Pebble, yeah. Um,
1: Great shot in the last just, hole
2: yeah yeah there's so many different ways of doing it and people don't really i guess understand or hear about those stories they just hear about oh matthew wolf he you know won the ncaa title he's going to be a stalwart on the pga tour for the next 20 years you know those are the the stories that people remember but there's far more stories of like a ted potter
1: totally and so
0: help me understand because I actually don't know like what what allows Matthew Wolf to play right away is it all sponsor exemptions is it because of the NCAA win that got him an exemption I mean what is how does that happen
2: yeah so you know obviously he won the NCAA so he's he's got he's on people's radars he's on you know he's got sponsorships that are going to come in right away where a lot of guys you know they got to earn those throughout the year um or years uh and then he's probably got a really good agent that gets them in these uh i think they can get like seven unrestricted uh sponsor exemptions a year so um he'll get a few exemptions and if he plays well in those events you know accumulates money uh gain status through that um I can't remember. I think he won in like his third or fourth start. So he probably had like six exemptions lined up and then one mm-hmm. before they were up. Kind of yeah, the same the 3M, way uh, Jordan Spieth did it. The year he won the John Deere, the previous year, he missed in second stage at Q School. So he didn't have any playing privileges anywhere and then was playing on sponsor exemptions and then, you know, went and off to the races.
0: So what, how, what is your mindset then? Because I could see it going two ways, right? You could either... Go from the mindset of this is really exciting because I just need a shot, right? I just need one really good week that can then propel me into another good week. And suddenly I've got conditional, and then I can get full status or get a win, and it propels me here. But then on the flip side, I would think that that would be a really easy way to press because now you're almost trying to make the most out of every opportunity and force it because there's so much opportunity with one top five or win. How do you balance that? What's your mindset week to week to make sure that you're loose, but you also know the stakes? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's it's so
2: cliche, and you know, you just try to hit one shot at a time. Uh, easier said than done. Um, <laughs> for me, I've put myself in that situation before, so I feel like I can do it again. Um, yeah, I've pressed. I've you know, I've played loose when I had conditional and got, you know, status for the remainder of the year on the corner. And then I've also, you know, kind of knew it was at stake and and not choked it away, but kind of played tight and didn't get like this year in Chicago. I knew I, I need top 25 to get in the next week. And I, you know, I just, so it was just off, you know, that last final round or whatever. I just knew it wasn't, everything wasn't there. as off as playing tight. and You know, I didn't get in that top 25. So I've, Experience both ways, I guess. Um, but yeah, you just gotta gotta keep your head down and just kind of just play golf. You know, you, sure. it's hard not to think about the future, but it's it's right there in your uh, in the forefront.
1: For sure. Well, well Chris, I mean, you, you know, like you've played some incredible golf over the years, and being on the Corn Ferry Tour, playing in majors, and and like you just kind of said, there's, there's ups and there downs like any career profession, but professional golf is certainly unique, and, and you've been doing it a while. So talk about, talk about your support system, your family. I think, you know, encouraging you to keep, you know, going to Q school this past year, um, you know, because self-belief is so important, but a little assistance with it probably doesn't hurt, right?
2: My support system's is huge. Um, there have been times where, you know, i played a game long enough to where, like, man, am I, you know – obviously I haven't played, I haven't had full status on tour. And that's kind of the goal is to get out there. I mean, you're not playing to just play many tour events all, all your life. Um, so there've been times where in the lows, you're just kind of thinking, well, maybe I should be, you know, going to insurance or maybe I should you know, be a financial planner, but you talk to your support system and they, you know, they kind of kick you to the tail and say, Hey, look, you've done this, 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 you're, you're right. close, keep grinding. Um, you know, if you if you hang it up, you might regret it or, um, yeah, I mean, the support system, she, my wife's been awesome. She uh, shorts out of the house, and she's probably my biggest fan, to be honest, and when she tells me to go play, that just kind of you know, reiterates, all right, I'm supposed to be
0: playing golf. So, I read a quote where you said you were just kind of fed up with the whole deal, you know, the whole process. You went from quitting the game to where you hadn't had this much fun playing in probably three to four years. I think that was in the last few years you said that. So maybe talk us through where you were at, you know, when you thought maybe this is it, you know, maybe I should try something else versus what then, it sounds like support system was huge, but what helped you then say, you know what, I can do this. And you started having more fun than you had in years.
2: It came after like a whole bunch of like, 40th finishes you know just I'm playing okay but I'm not getting anything out of my game I'm putting a lot of work into it but I'm not seeing results it's just kind of like man this is tough like yeah obviously I love the game but uh I feel like I'm working my tail off and I'm not getting anything out of it um and then I wasn't going to um play the U.S. Open qualifying and like two minutes before the deadline, I signed up. I was like, what the hell, I'll just do it. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't even know if I got in or not. Like I was waiting for the confirmation emails past deadline. I did. I was like, well, if I get in great, if I don't, you know, whatever. And then I got in and then I went and played the qualifier and I had a buddy looping and just kind of, I hadn't played like two weeks prior to that. So I just was kind of away from it. So that kind of, I think helped recharge the batteries and just give a, fresh perspective and you know, so I went out and I was kinda like, just you know, just play golf. Just who cares what happens, just play golf. I played great. Got through locals. And then I'm driving home and I get a call from the Corn fairy and they say, Hey, you're in the BMW Pro An this week. Do you want your spot? I was like, Yeah, I'll go play. Whatever. I had fun today. I'll go play again. And I had fun playing in uh in the BMW, didn't play well. And then I got into uh national the next week and I you know kind of same thing just play golf who cares what happens and I played well I finished like seventh that week that shuffled me in for the remainder of the year and I kind of was like I I wasn't grinding I wasn't you know at the course playing practice rounds like crazy like you know like you feel like you need to be and I was just showing up playing golf and I started playing good, and I had a buddy caddy for me, like, kind of from US Open going forward, or US Open qualifying going forward, and we just had a good time out there, and it was kind of a different take or fresh perspective, um, rather than having, like, a professional caddy as opposed to your buddy, because mm-hmm. your buddy, you know, sure. you know, I've known him for years, and we just had fun, and I started playing better, and it was, you know, we were joking around and not taking it as serious, and started getting some results, and it's like, hey, this is fun. This is fun again.
1: Yeah. That's kind of like
2: where I, it all switched.
1: Yeah, Chris, I think it's, that's fascinating. When uh, The term, when you say, just go play golf, right? So, like, for our listeners, what does that mean to you? I think you just kind of alluded to it with laughing, joking with the attitude. But, but does that mean not being just well, way less attached to outcomes and results? Like, what does it mean to you when you say, just play golf? I'm just going to go play golf
2: today. Just, yeah, just go play golf. Go Like, if you see – if you see the hole going to the left, hit a draw. If you see it going to the right, hit a fade. Just go out and hit shots, and rather than, yeah. all right, is my swing okay? Am I in positions like, and and that's one of the difference I see. I was joking with mm-hmm. a buddy the other day. I I just played this uh, Sedona Open up in uh, mm-hmm. uh, Sedona, obviously, and I, you know, there's obviously great players on the mini tours, but the big difference there I see is web and above guys aren't messing with their swings during the round where in many tour events you see guys like just mm-hmm. all they do is mess with their swing and so they're not playing golf they're playing golf swing and right yeah just go out play fun you know have fun played played golf for how many years and practice for how many years now it's just
0: time to go play yeah, yeah i like, so I like that my, a lot it's so funny yeah. chris i mean that reminds me of an interview we did with this fluid motion coach that coaches guys like Scott McCarran and it's all about fluidity right and it's actually proven science that when your frontal cortex goes on you're trying to do something with like surface level thoughts you can't access the deep levels of your your motion of your body that happens naturally right and so he calls it like abstract mind helps with fluid swings and it sounds like you had a really abstract mind it sounds like You were just kind of like letting it flow, right? Trying to have fun with it versus thinking, well, I got to get the club here or I can't miss there. You were just kind of letting it freewheel, right? Here's the thing. If you shoot
2: 70 and 80, like 70 or 80, I mean, it it doesn't matter. Don't attach yourself to results. You're still the same person off the golf course that you were, you know, the day before. I mean, it's just a game. Yeah. And I think that allowed me to kind of, you know, be more free. And my wife tells me all the time, she's like, you're not your results. You're, you're an individual. You're a person that, you know,
1: yeah.
0: is, is not attached to your your golf. Yep. I love that. Speaking of individuals, I'm going to read you a list of names and I want you to tell me what you think they all have in common. Okay. okay. Jordan Spieth, Tiger Woods, Graham McDowell, Rory McIlroy, Jason Day, Matt Kuchar, John Rahm, Sergio Garcia. <laughs> what do you think they all have in common? You guys might disagree with me on this, but I think they're all great putters, even though
2: people think Sergio is not a good putter.
0: Yeah, he can put With his eyes closed. <laughs> well, that, that's yeah. probably true, Chris, but the, the answer <laughs> that we we're going to tell you is you beat all of these guys in the 2018 <laughs> U.S. Open at Shinnecock. What, yeah. does that, what does okay. that mean to you when you hear that list?
2: <laughs> that just confirms that, you know, I can play out there. I can, I yeah. can hang with those guys for sure. I mean, that's, you're playing on the hardest golf course that week against the best players in the world. You know, I played good enough to beat all those guys.
0: What did that feel well, like eh. when you were walking in? I just I just want to hear, because you've been doing this a long time, right, Chris? And I know how hard you've worked. I've talked to Ryan over the years, and he's, again, he's always – you know, singing your praises. And so, like, did that feel like a, oh, my God, I'm here? Or is it, was it a lot of nerves? You know, what was, what, what was going through your mind when you walked in?
2: I, when I walked in, I, I think I turned to Michael McCutty and I was like,
0: this is, you know, this is pretty sweet. Um,
2: <laughs> I... I played PGA tour events before you see grandstands and stuff, but these grandstands were like on a, you know, three times the level of a regular tour event. Um, Right. And to be honest, I, I kind of like, finally, like I, to be honest, I thought I'd be a little further along than I am now. I thought I would have had a little bit more success and I guess that's life, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just sweet when you step on property and you just, everything is just perfect and whatever you need is available to you and, you're like, all right, this is, this is going to be a great week. It's going to be fun.
1: What, what is it about your game, Chris, that you feel that, you know, whether it separates you or just you know you, know you can do that again, that you can beat, you beat all those top players in the world or you can go win a corn fairy event? Uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, your game in that sense.
2: I feel like I'm kind of the opposite of uh, people are like, oh, well, chipping up cutting keeps – you know, guys, from being successful on tour. Well, I feel like that's probably my my strength. Like I have length, um, but I'm not necessarily the best like hitter of the golf ball. I'm not the best, you know. I don't drive it the best or whatever. But I can chip and putt. I think that week at the Open, I was in the top ten of chipping and putting, um, sure. and I was like one of the last in fairways hit. So, you know, to make the cut in the U.S. Open, driving it, you know, sideways was kind of fun. But, um. <laughs> Yeah, I chip and putt, I think, exceptionally well. Um, I don't hit it as great as maybe, you know, like Sergio Garcia. I, I think he's a good putter, but he hits it so good yeah, that so he gets himself so many chances. Right. So people are like, well, if he doesn't make every putt, you know, he's a bad putter, but he hits so many greens. So sure. he has a lot of chances.
0: I just want to hit um, on what you just said about – you. I mean, you went into the week – right first major with your buddy on the bag and you said this is going to be a great week right i just want to talk about that mindset was that a different mindset than maybe you know a corn fairy event or an event you played before where you genuinely it sounds like to me you genuinely wanted to soak it in and really enjoy the week and look what look what that led to right you made the cut at a major and you beat that list of names i just read including tiger woods
2: golf is a funny game you don't know how many you know us opens you're going to get to play in so obviously i want to you know make the most of it and enjoy it and um i have my family out there with me and my my oldest son was uh 3 at the time so you know i got i got them got them in town and it's on fathers day so it's just like you know a special week that's cool yeah. and obviously obviously i want to play in many more majors but you just don't know in this game, like nothing's guaranteed. So yeah, I wanted to enjoy the week, but I also thought that even though, you know, I've never played on a U.S. Open before, but I still thought I I could compete and have a chance because I chip and putt it good. And the U.S. Open is not about, you know, shooting 25 under. So the harder the golf course, the better it is for me. I mean, if you look at all my fast results on like corn fair events, I play the, the harder golf courses. That's where all my good finishes are sure so i you know i was like this is gonna be a good week this golf course you know sets up for me right um so if i have fun i will probably play well i mean there's no guarantee in that but chances of me playing well when having fun are
0: pretty good yeah and something you said at the beginning of the week was you're going to be super aggressive to conservative targets the front third of the greens look good to me maybe i think this is actually a really interesting Thing that a lot of amateurs could benefit from what is does what super aggressive to conservative targets mean to you
2: yeah like you're, you're not necessarily hitting at every pen um but your target that you pick i mean you're trying to you want to hit that target um mm-hmm. even if you have you know sand wedge in your hand you're playing 20 feet left or right of a hole you still gotta like you know bear down and pay attention to what you're doing because if you just let up for a second and you know, like, oh, I'm just going to kind of whiff it out there to the right. Well, that whiff's going to not end up in a great spot. So you gotta, you got to be aggressive. you got to, you know, make sure you have some purpose behind the shot.
1: Well, all right, Chris. And being aggressive takes moxie, right? It takes confidence. Sometimes you just you can be a little afraid to be aggressive. So managing that, right, around big targets or conservative targets um, is the way to do that, right, to free up your mind. Because you've got to make swings that, you know, like you said, have purpose.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like if you, you're laying up on a par five, like a lot of people, they just grab their six iron and they just kind of hit it down there. Well, a lot of times they hit it in the rough because they're not paying attention just, to what they're doing. Mm. Sure. You know, and when you lay up, you got you got to lay it up in the fairway. Like there's a – <laughs> It's a, the
1: a, worst there's feeling there's in the world. It. Yeah, <laughs> right. it's
2: not a good feeling. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you take one shot off and it can cost you.
0: But I think that's really important. To me, not a lot of people talk about that because just because you're aiming at the fat part of a green or the middle of the green or you're hitting a hybrid off of a tee or a a fairway wood instead of a driver, that doesn't mean that you're not going after it, right? You know, I I think a lot of people associate conservative play with
1: laying it, back. it's just
0: yeah laying back kind of Guide, nice and smooth it. guiding it where okay. i think th- i think this concept i'm going to take it in my own game i think you know going back to our conversation around like what separates these handicaps i bet you that if someone played to conservative tar- played aggressively to conservative targets i bet you a lot of nines could get to a five yeah, okay. yeah absolutely
2: I, I, I think a lot of them just don't know like you know they're like oh golf you got you got to hit every pin to make no you don't if you if you take if a pin's on the right and you hit it 15 to 20 feet left you know to all the right pins and vice versa to all the left pins you always have a putt at it rather than you know if you miss right and you get a chip like you're gonna you're not gonna make many chips but you can make some putts like it's just a chess game
1: i'm interested really you know what you're feeling out there and when, when you're playing your best golf in terms of, you know, do you have, is there one key physical thought that you like to bring with you or really sticks out when you're playing well? And is there one key mental thought um, that really stays with you and then kind of makes you unique? I'm curious because I always had that or when I was playing my best golf in college, I kind of think about that now and try to go, go back to it, but I'm curious.
2: I'm not like a, a bubble Watson you know, I don't curve the ball like him. That but yeah. when, I'm pl- when I'm playing my best, I'm curving the ball one way or the other on every single shot. When I start trying to mm. hit it straight, it's kind of when I get a little a little off. Sure. Um, but if, you know, if I'm trying to curve it a little right to left or left to right, it's kind of like in the process, all right, I need to, what do I need to do to make this ball start at that tree and kind of curve over to this bunker kind of thing? That's, mm. that's when I'm playing my best. And that that kind of goes back to I'm not getting mechanical with my swing. I'm just I'm just trying to tell myself all right. I need to just slide this ball a little bit here and there. Sure. Um, and you're then really like a swing shots. thought Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a feel game. Even though it's mechanical, it's your your feel is gonna is you know gonna outweigh your mechanics if you're if you can get it going that way um but like a swing thought that i've used all years this year is i try to keep my back to the target just a touch longer a little more patient mm-hmm. that way i don't kind of come up out of the shot and it's been good this year so i rode that um all year long it
1: kind of helps like, just wait on it so you can actually be aggressive right i think yeah so from it the <laughs> right you know you don't, <laughs> wait on, you don't wait on it you can try to be aggressive but it's going to go away so you don't want to <laughs> You know, right? Um, right. You, certainly high, right? Well, but, but, you know, if you kind of talk about how you, when you're dialed in, like, Chris, uh, I think you won the, you won the Iowa Open a few months ago. Uh, yes. And you blitz, I mean, you, you really blitz the field, 63, 65. And Chris, talk about, talk about that. I think that was in early August. It's very common, you know, for all players, especially, you know, even good players to, to, to shoot a great round, but, not back it up. Sometimes it goes completely the other way. So you fire 63. What was your mindset like on the range that next morning? And, and if you found a way to continue to play loose and free and fire a 65.
2: Yeah. Um, just, I mean, golf's weird. You know, one day you feel like you're on top of the world next day. You're like, I'm quitting. Cause I've, I you're, feel like I've never yeah. played the game. It's just, you're, right. you know, it, it, there's so many different factors, like you could sleep weird and your body doesn't loosen up or, oh, yeah. you know, whatnot. But, but, like, for me that week, uh, I just drove it good. I mean, I feel like the, the driver is just as important as a putter now. Like, a, a driver is a scoring club. If you hit it in play, it sets up the whole entire hole. Like, it is a scoring club. Um, yeah, I just drove it great in iowa and the course was long and hard it was you know 7400 yards is right up my alley like i said it's harder to golf course in it i drove well therefore you know i had shorter clubs into holes than most guys um but yeah I, and i put it good i always i feel like i said before i think chipping and putting is good is one of my strong suits so i put it good and i wasn't like it's was kind of what we just talked about the aggressiveness i never really hit it flags i just always kind of hit it on the fat side of it, whether it was five feet to the fat side or 20 feet to the fat side, because I feel like I'm a good enough putter to where I'm going to make a bunch of putts, so I don't need to hit it, you know, three feet to make birdies. Mm. Love it. So I just drove yeah. it good
0: and made,
1: <laughs> made a made a, lot, made a lot of birdies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right.
0: <laughs> well, great segue, Chris. I mean, speaking of driving, we were looking at your stats because Ryan's talked a lot about this, you know, Ryan's known, Ryan's known for winning back-to-back long drive contest at the Meadowbrook <laughs> member guest,
1: so, and
0: you're so driving it 30 <laughs> yards past him every round. Um, so, so in 2013, you averaged 289 off the tee, uh, 2015, 299, 2016, 310. I mean, and are we, you just, and we
1: think you're like at 307 this past year. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's are complex. you, are you working with our sponsor super speed golf right now or what? what's going on?
2: <laughs> I, I did I need to get a couple of those sticks for sure. We could help you with that. Oh, Absolutely. well, I think he, here's what a lot of people don't, I guess, realize. So you, I got longer obviously as the years went on, but as years went on, I made more cuts. And so, what happens is by the weekend the course is a lot drier yeah so you know you're on on thursday you're hitting it you know 300 off the tee but by sunday when it's dry you're hitting it 340 but i wasn't playing the weekends early in my career so (laughs) i wasn't getting those long drives on saturday and sunday um but i think a lot of it is uh i mean the equipment's changed for sure. sure right and if you hit fairways they go farther if you hit rough it doesn't it doesn't really roll so I, i'm a little straighter now okay. um and yeah i've I've worked out over the years and i've gotten stronger so um yeah i my driver is is year after year is getting more accurate and i guess a little bit longer so that's, that's a good thing you know, one aspect i've tried to work on um because it does set up your you know, you're scoring clubs and in the uh, the holes, so
0: yeah, driving super important.
1: But straighter means longer. I think you just said, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting. Not many people yeah. talk about that. Obviously, if you hit fairways, then, your drives are going to go longer.
2: Yeah, and and now this, you know, all the stats they've done over the years is like length is length is everything. Um, you know, guys don't want eight iron, seven iron out of the fairway. They want you know wedge from the rough mm-hmm. it just it makes it easier yeah
0: sure. don't tell that to Sarmac. that'll trigger him but go ahead Sir.
1: <laughs> Evan likes to hit it long but i like to shoot shoot low yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a good way to put it <laughs> um well it, it, it's funny because you know chris we're talking to you kind of really about your game what you see out of it you know when you're playing out of the tour but you play with a lot of you know a lot of our listeners are amateur players and you know, 15, 20 handicaps, single all across the board and everybody's trying to get better. So when you play in these pro-ams or when you go play with, you know, the guys at Meadowbrook and that are just average golfers, when they ask you for advice, what mistakes, you know, are you kind of seeing and how, how do you, how do you give them, you know, some love around the mental game or is it the, you know, focus on your driver? Like, tell us what sticks out for you, what you see and what advice you you're giving more people
2: than that um yeah i see I've seen it all uh in the program, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love them all uh yeah the the slice is obviously like the big uh the big thing, and it i the tip I told you guys that I've been kind of running with all year would keep my back to the target a little bit longer is you know I guess that could help them get it more from the inside. they got that whole. Over the top, open up the shoulders, cut across it, you know, send it into the Smith's pool. Um, <laughs> it, it's hard to give people advice because if it doesn't work in two swings, they like abandon it, and it's sure. something that needs to probably be done. You know, they need to hit fifty balls in the range, and then they would kind of grasp the concept of it. But mm-hmm. on the course, I I try not to, you know, tell them too much. Um, Another thing I see, I think is funny, is when we get on the greens, they don't play greens that are that fast normally, and so they, you know, they're rocketing by. You know, you have like 10 feet for birdie or par or whatever, and they're like, give, give me a read, and I say, oh, it's a, you know, a cup out right, and then they go and they blast it 15 feet by, and they're like, oh, it didn't move. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, you, you ever seen a train turn left like going 100 miles an hour? <laughs> It doesn't Not happen. The and then they look at you like, <laughs> yeah. They look at you like, you know, I'm crazy.
1: You're, you're nuts, <laughs> right. Trust me. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, I've seen it all. Uh, I just The main thing is I tell people, I'm like, just have fun. Because I see a lot of people out there, and they don't, they don't hit it the way they want to, and they get frustrated and mad. And I'm like, well, dude, you're out here on a great golf course. The weather's great you know, you're out with buddies, just have fun. I don't care if you shoot 70 or if you shoot 105, just have a good time. That's what it's all about anyway. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think Adam Long said overreacting. All the amateurs overreact, pros underreact. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. That's perfect.
1: These St. Louis guys, I tell you.
0: Yeah, the St. Louis guys are really the top notch. But uh, Chris, (laughs) we're gonna gonna end you on this one and then we'll get you (laughs) out of here. I really wanted to talk about this. The Portland Open, you make, hopefully I got this right, you made a hole-in-one, there's a BMW on the tee box, and they try and tell you you don't get the car, and then you finally get a car. It's not the car on the tee box, but you get a two-year lease. I'm sure it's nice to get a free car for two years, but you only get a lease? Come on, give the guy a car. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so obviously, I'm, i
2: was hey i'm playing loose in portland i got nothing to lose right so i'm playing yeah. loose um the hole before i just pitched in for eagle um and then i make the hole-in-one on the 12th hole which is a the sweet little part three like 100 158 yards you know make this one and part of me is like you know go wild go crazy there's there's a beer garden to the right of the the hole i'm like maybe i should go over there and buy beers you know like what yeah. <laughs> uh but then i'm like well i'm in this tournament now so i got to kind of focus and stuff so but yeah i made the whole one got a little excited not you know tried to not overdo it and then you know i looked to the marshal i said hey man that's my car you want to you want to get that thing on a rig for me and haul it back to <laughs> st louis and uh so i go up to get the ball and there's actually a lady behind the green and uh she works for bmw and uh, she's like, oh, congratulations. I work for BMW. I'm like, oh, that's sweet. I can't wait to drive the car. And she's like, oh, you don't get the car. And so I'm you're like, like, whatever. You're so like, oh, excuse I got, me. I got, <laughs> yeah. I got a tournament to play. So, I, so we finished the tournament or whatever. And uh, I start getting all these tweets and texts, congrats on the car, yada, yada, yada. And so I learned through the uh, officials that it was just a whole sponsor. You know, it wasn't a prize. and so you know i just send out a tweet hey thanks but i didn't get the car and so i get some people you know tweeting hey you should get the car i get a bunch of texts and um i know a gentleman in st louis that works for bmw and he i guess he kind of he called you know the headquarters or whoever he needed to call and got kind of worked out but yeah the car would have been nice uh to keep um but yeah Big car for two years isn't bad either. I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would take that. It's just you know, someone makes an ace, give them the car. I think that's <laughs> pretty <laughs> cut and dry.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I've i never, I've never played a tournament where a car sitting on t is not the prize. Right. Either way. And it's kind of. I don't know. I'm glad
1: that.
2: Yeah. An unwritten rule.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> it is. Well, Chris, it's been it's been awesome talking with you. We're um. Where are we going to be looking out for you, seeing you these next few months? What's your schedule looking like? Um, and uh, for and where 2021, can for the end you. of 2020, and 20, yeah, where, where can we follow you?
2: Uh, so I got a Twitter handle, at uh, Steve Nagel. I'm not like a huge social media guy. I put stuff out occasionally. Um, I'm on Instagram is right rough because I tend to hit it just a little bit in the right rough. Um <laughs> so you know i you know i I own my i own my uh kind of flaw there uh yeah so those are my social media outlets i don't have facebook sorry um but i'm not i'm not gonna play a ton coming up i'm gonna do the monday qualifier for houston the monday qualifier for the rsm and it, it there's not much really going on this fall with you know the whole covid stuff going sure and then uh hopefully, hopefully January, pick it up. I'm going to play the big money event. One of the, I won the APT tour event in Manhattan, Kansas, which got me an exemption into this big money event down in Florida after the first nice. the year, it's like hundred grand of first. And uh, yeah, these guys putting on just one event with uh, a big purse. So got into that. Love it. Um, but yeah, I mean, just try to, you know, spend some time with the family this fall and try to get better and uh, try to, you know, carry it. What this season – I've had a good season, even though I haven't played much this year. I've had a good season. So, try to carry that into next year and do some damage.
1: Here's what we'll do next spring. Evan and I will come to St. Louis, and Evan can be on your team, and Ryan and I will team up, and we're going to take you guys on, okay? Oh, okay. (laughs) Uh,
2: I think I should get Rhino since he gets, like, you know, too many shots.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> how about how about this? How about you two and I take on Ryan since he gets
0: too many shots. I mean that you could know, work I, too.
1: Yeah. Although <laughs> I
0: wouldn't mind teaming up, and you know, I'm a seven. So you you want to talk about getting shots? I mean, I would get yeah, a yeah. lot. Avin,
1: Evan, Evan, you actually can't play in the match because. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Partner, yeah. let's do
0: this, partner. You're getting
1: 15. Yeah.
0: Let's go. Yeah, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> let's
1: go. <laughs>
0: I'm in. You know, can drop it let's 340 at times. You know, we'll make a at, good match at right. times. <laughs>
1: That's <the key>
0: <laughs> hey. This was fun. <laughs>
1: All right, Chris. Well, this hey. was a
0: blast. I'm so glad you could come on, and we're, you know, we always were rooting for you, but um, yeah. we're continuing to root for you. And hey, just go out there and keep playing free. Right? It works for you. That's right.
2: Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's great talking with you all. And, uh,
0: yeah, let's get that match set up. I'm in. All right, take care, Chris. (laughs) See you, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) All right, see you guys. All right.